Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And really, that's what that word essentially means. It's the Latin word for rejoice. Uh, Because traditionally, Advent is a penitential season. And so, you know, and you can't put the clamp on for too long, as we're finding out with COVID, uh, because the the pressure cooker eventually needs to be released. And so the pink candle in these penitential seasons are there designed uh, to be a bit of a pressure cooker. And so to to, to release a release valve. And so today is a day where we rejoice and we celebrate that idea of rejoicing. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to talking about today. And uh, through the lens of John the Baptist, how uh, we can rejoice in good times and in bad. The other day, I was invited um, to attend a pastor's Zoom conference entitled, What More Can Your Church Be Doing During COVID? And uh, to be quite honest, I immediately hit the delete button and said nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. And so I'm trying to get my kid in high school. Leave me alone. But anyway, um, but then um, I felt immediately guilty. I was like overcome by guilt. And then so I took it out of my trash can and I opened it up. What more could we be doing, Ben? For, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I mean, what more could we be doing? Heaven forbid, you know? So I opened it, and the headline said, Make a lasting difference for Jesus. And I thought to myself, I better tune in. I don't want St. Swithin's on the East River to make a bigger difference for Jesus than we are. You know what I mean? Have a cooler program, figure out a way to distribute sandwiches a little more effectively. What more can we be doing at Calvary St. George's to make a lasting difference? Ben, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then what will people think if we do? What will people think if we don't? Me, 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 me. And then I just deleted it. I knew a rector who would always ask his staff this question which he thought was so motivating, but it was actually psychologically over the long term cruel. And that was, he would ask everybody, what difference are you making for the kingdom of God? I mean, how do you answer that in our current situation? So limited. This is the first day I left 61 Gramercy Park in seven days. Seriously. This pressure and this this thing that psychologically and subconsciously, what it all does is it focuses in on, on us. And this is what makes John the Baptist really counterintuitive. He challenges our New York idea that you need to make a difference, which actually causes so much stress and burnout in our lives. John the Evangelist, and I say that because he's the author of John the Gospel, and if you're new to the Bible, a lot of the times people get John the Baptist and John the Evangelist confused. 
So John, who writes, John the Evangelist, who writes our gospel, tells us that people are coming to John the Baptist and are listening to this message of repentance and wanting to be baptized by him. And they want to know who he's pointing to. And this crowd is so huge that a delegation of priests and Levites come down to check it out, to do an investigation, to make sure everything's kosher pun intended. And they arrive down there and they ask him three very specific and important questions. And if John the Baptist had answered in the affirmative, in any way, this would have immediately put him on the celebrity Instagram map. He would have made a real difference. The first question they ask him is, are you the Messiah? That's a huge deal. I mean, John could have done so much, made such a difference, if he had even answered in the affirmative. At least he would have got maybe an upgrade in clothes and the meal plan. You know? He's revolutionary. A messianic king out in the desert with a huge following, with an Old Testament message. But John says, no, I'm not. Then they ask him, are you Elijah? This is very important because Elijah is the predecessor to the Messiah. Come on, John. How much more could you have accomplished had you just said yes to that? You know, you're literally baptizing people where the prophet Elijah was taken up into heaven. Could you imagine the following? What more could you have done for the kingdom had you just said yes to that? But John says, I'm not. Finally, they ask, are you the prophet? This is the one whom Moses spoke about, who would speak for God and lead his people. Once again, a very, very important role, you know? One, he could have done a lot more had he just said yes to that. But he says, no, I'm not. How many of you are feeling the pressure at work if you just did a little more? You just did this. What a difference you could make. It's interesting, though, that after John the Baptist is martyred, uh, which is in the Greek word martyrios, which means witness, Jesus declares that he is both the Elijah who precedes the Messiah, and he says he is the greatest to ever be born of women. But nonetheless, what John the Baptist says here about himself is a far cry from the celebrity influencer, the wanting to make a difference we so admire and want to be. And this is my first point. John the Baptist, on a number of levels, is challenging. It's challenging to all of us who feel like we got to make a difference. But he's also a lot of relief. We want to make a difference. We want some recognition couple of Instagram and Facebook likes. I mean, we're making a difference there. We want to be retweeted. We'd love a plaque. For the record, Jim got me a plaque um, a couple of weeks ago, and it hangs in Calvary Church's basement right next to the boiler room. And it says, a clean boiler room, the crowning achievement of Jacob Simmons ministry at Calvary St. George's. And I was like, finally. So, but anyway... 
But we live in a culture of celebrity. And who doesn't long to be noticed? What pressure that creates. John the Baptist, the greatest of all men, challenges that desire in us. And he says in chapter 3, I must decrease in order that he might increase. Little interesting bit of trivia. Uh, John the Baptist's feast day is June 24th, also around midsummer. And from there, the days begin to get shorter until we come to Christmas, Jesus' uh, birth. And then the days begin to increase. And so they were doing uh, using the equinox as a teaching moment there. But we all want to make a difference. This is my first point. John the Baptist, on a number of levels, is challenging. We want to make a difference. We want some recognition. We want some recognition. We want even a plaque. But all John says to that is that I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Now, Advent is typically a really, really stressful and busy time for everyone. Because you've got the secular holiday chucked right on top of it. And the secular holiday season comes with a lot of pressure. You know, do more, do more. Don't disappoint your kids. Don't disappoint your parents. Make a lasting difference in that way. Especially for Jesus. And that makes it all the more stressful, especially if it's for Jesus. I saw a funny meme that read, I'm getting ready to turn my ordinary and my COVID stress in to holiday festive stress. So, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is a crazy time. And the challenge to do more or make a lasting difference, it can dupe you, actually. Your piety can dupe you into thinking that you are the light, that the church is the light, And that's a heavy burden, because that's a burden you and I were never intended to carry. As my wife loves to say, especially when she's bursting my, like, wanting to be a celebrity bubble, she's like, Jacob, no one is ever intended to be famous. Look what happened to Kanye. You know, this is true. This is true. St. John the Evangelist. He makes this absolutely clear in our gospel that St. John the Baptist knew his role. The evangelist writes about the Baptist. He says, John came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. That is good news. And that is what we're here for. I've been thinking about Calvary St. George's a lot. And what is our role? And I want to reiterate and make it perfectly clear that we are not the light, nor should we try and be. By virtue of being a church in this city, we do find ourselves involved in some of the most pressing issues of the day. And we have met those challenges. We've met those challenges well. But Jesus, Jesus in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, 
already made the lasting difference. And this is my second point. Therefore, and this becomes really releasing, this becomes freedom. Our true vocation, like John the Baptist, our calling, like that voice in the wilderness, is not to be the light. But in our concrete wilderness here in New York City, we're called to witness to the light. We testify to the light. Or in other words, like John the Baptist, we know our role. And with word, water, bread, and wine, we point people to Jesus, the one who has done everything and has made the lasting difference. And that is something actually to rejoice about on this Rejoice Sunday. Because it means that you don't have to make the lasting difference. That weight, which comes with the question, what more can you do? That weight that comes with the challenge to make a lasting difference gets taken off your shoulders and placed right where it belongs, on the shoulders of Jesus. And you can be. You can do what you can. You can live your life. And that's something to rejoice about. And not just today, but every day. Especially when we might not have much to rejoice about at all. That Jesus has made the lasting difference actually becomes the enabling word for us, like St. Paul tells us, to pray without ceasing. Not because it's some sort of coerced obligation, because it's all up to you. No, but rather because it's all been placed on his shoulders, Jesus' shoulders. He's died for you, risen for you, ascended for you. He's now given you his spirit, which is his presence in the midst of his perceived absence. And that spirit now lives in you. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit, is interceding for us with sighs and groanings that go far beyond our words. I mean, if you're like me, sometimes your prayers this year have been nothing more than, really? In Jesus' name, amen. And we can give thanks in all circumstances. Not just in times of plenty, but especially when the plenty is too few to count. We can give thanks in all circumstances, not because we know Jesus, but because he knows and he loves us and has promised us everlasting life in his name. And this is my third point, and that's a big deal. The God of the universe knows and loves you. This is my third point. See, when we become nothing... Jesus actually becomes everything. Then, we always have something to rejoice about. Even when life is really hard. For Jesus, the one whom John the Baptist, the greatest of all men, said, I am unworthy to untie the thong of his sandal. 
And mark my words, you and I are also unworthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This Jesus has come for you. This Jesus has come to save you. This Jesus has come to serve you. This Jesus has come to never let you go. And not even death can stop it. That is the gospel. Nothing left to be done for Jesus has made all the difference in the world. Rejoice always. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you in the midst of all of this stress is faithful. And he will do this. So rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.